financial bondage that's been holding you back? Are you ready to take charge of your finances to cut your mortgage payment in half while reducing your taxes significantly? If yes, then this podcast is for you. Fiscal Fitness and Freedom can pay off the national debt in less than 10 years. So from humble beginnings of just about $500, Scott built a billion-dollar mortgage company. So here's your host, Scott Smith. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness and Freedom. We are your hosts, Scott Smith and Laura Lewis. Hi, Scott. How are you? Doing good. How are you doing? Did you get flooded out? I did. We had some serious rain in New York and it was, you know, I think every time something happens that's topical in New York, I just love going on Instagram and seeing all the hilarious videos and memes because it's devastating, but people always find a way to make it humorous. So (laughs) we found a lot. There was people like on like paddle boards and I know Brooklyn flooded quite a bit. So there was people like trying to pull out their, their jet skis, just, you know. Oh, people are great. So fortunately, mine was not too bad. I'm on the ground floor unit. It oh. wasn't too, too bad, but in other areas, it was pretty devastating. Yeah. Yeah. We, for, we forget the power of nature. <laughs> <laughs> right. Until it's present, we're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of power, you had a question about Congress's power to shut down the government. Yes, that's um, yeah. going on now and i guess i'm just curious why it's so often and even Mm -hmm. with it being common i never actually understood how a government can shut down like what does that mean does it like do they stop collecting taxes like does the Uh, army shut down like what part of the government because they control so much so one why is it happening so often and two what does it actually mean what is being shut down and what does that cause that's a great thing. Um, yeah. So they don't ever shut down collecting taxes, do they? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, a welcome shutdown, but that's true. It, so the concept of the shutdown is um, all about funding. And because government funding comes from two sources, one is the revenue, that's taxes, and the other is borrowing to make up for the deficit that Congress had an idea at one time that maybe to help them be a little more disciplined in their budgeting, maybe they ought to have a ceiling on what the debt would go to. So, you know, self-imposed, exactly, a self-imposed ceiling on what the debt would reach. So, you know, it's one of those ideas, sounds like a great idea, let's put a ceiling there, but you've ignored the basis of the problem, which is you you're locked in on overspending right now with the government spending that's necessary and the taxes that you have you know you've got a problem and the problem is you're in a perpetual deficit and there's no they have no solution to that as long as you're taxing income there's no way that you can ever balance the budget Again, so i guess i'm confused also on if there's a set budget mm-hmm. but then there's also a debt ceiling is this anticipating that we're not going to make it in budget so like I have a budget of $100 a month and I know mm-hmm. I'm going to have more expenses than that. So I have a credit card that has a $10,000 limit. So I'm incorporating mm-hmm. that into my budget. So really my budget is 10,000 plus 100, even though 10,000 is debt. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, they've got a credit card. That's the bond market. Okay. So they can continue to borrow to make up 
for. He might think of it instead of a budget, it's it's sort of the spending they're doing. I see. <laughs> and and the level of spending they're doing, you know that the amount of borrowing you're having to do to meet that spending plus the amount of revenue you're collecting, you're going to exceed the borrowing limit at at this date. So they know that by this date, they're going to exceed it. So if they've capped the budget at call it 32 trillion and they're going to exceed 32 trillion at the end of October, then they're not going to have money available to run the government. And that's what they mean by a shutdown. They literally would not have the money to pay the payroll for government employees or to pay the rent on different government buildings or a mortgage if it was mortgaged, you know. The obligations of the government won't be able to be met. And that includes paying interest on the treasury bonds. So when that limit is hit, that's what they say is the shutdown because, hey, we don't have the money. Now, they still have some money coming in. And so even in sort of the worst case shutdowns where the showdown show showdown between the parties has gone on for a couple of months, there's still this sort of minimal funding that goes on. In other words, you need air traffic controllers at the airports. <laughs> you know, you don't want you need a certain military readiness. You know, there's certain minimal um, things they keep on, but it's a decision. Let's stop paying these people. And that's what you call a shutdown. And we stop paying them. Only? Yes. So how they can look, that happen on the state level? Like we don't have like state government shutdown. You can have shutdowns in cities. You can have cities go bankrupt. You know, it's a finite amount of money coming in and out. And so there have been municipalities that have defaulted on bonds and they're, you know, and so, you know, the fact that there's a budget and there's only so much money that any government, whether it's city, state, or federal, has is is kind of shocking. Now, in the in the federal case, the Treasury Department could create money out of thin air and lend it to the government, but that's borrowing. It's still borrowing. So when you have a shutdown, you've exceeded your borrowing limit. So what happened as an initial good idea, let's put a cap out there so that maybe we can be more prudent in our spending. Um, didn't change spending at all. Instead, it became a bargaining chip because the two parties, you know, have to reach an accord to extend the debt limit in order for there not to be a shutdown. And so they wrangle with each other as to what they want in there. So when they vote not to shut down the government, what they're really voting on special interest things that they're including in there concessions they're giving to each other not to shut down just to go ahead and say okay we raised the debt limit again so it's like mutually agreed on but they're bargaining with each other to get stuff they want they're bargaining what they want which often those little things don't have that much to do with the budget itself it's just their sort of their pet peeves It's, it's it's a power play in the end and so you have this artificially imposed limit which they voted on that they continue to extend. And every time they exceed it, which they know they'll exceed it, they have another bargaining game. And it's kind of, in a way, it's government at its worst. Right. You know, it's it's government at its worst. And it's, you know, and you, you realize that um, there are a lot of people's jobs that are at stake. And you tell somebody who's a government worker, you're not getting paid. And the shutdown has nothing to do with their performance. Right. You know? 
Do they get back pay once it's approved or it's just. Yeah, they, they've done that so far. And yeah. so does Congress get paid during that time or are they exempt? Whoa, that's the best question anyone's ever asked me. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if I was a betting man and I was going to wager on it, I bet Congress keeps getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. That would be a really cool law somebody puts in there that if if we get within this close of, of budget, you know, of that debt ceiling, Congress stops getting paid 60 days before. <laughs> right. That'll really incentivize it. Yeah, we should have a law like that. Just see if anyone in Congress will pass that law. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> they'd have to really dislike getting paid to pass that, I guess. Yeah, that's why I've always thought it would be pretty cool if we had the ability to vote on some sort of a law as a nation, you know, that we could put forth something that everybody votes. In Switzerland, they have that. Oh, and wow. In some states, they have that. You can put something out there just for popular vote. If we had that in our nation, I can just imagine the interesting things that people could come up with, you know. Um, yeah. In, in which... Um, we might be able to rein in our political leaders one way or another if we had that capacity. I'd I, be all for that. That would be so beneficial in so many ways, but I think it's a, you know, we'd have to vote that into another way. Yeah. I don't think Congress would ever approve that either. Yeah. I mean, we are very much pawns in the equation right. of broke power brokering in the, you know, in Congress. And that's the sad fact of America right now. So with the shutdown, they basically just push, like kick the can down the road. Like they're just pushing for like a higher debt ceiling or are they that's actually reorganizing the Okay. And so it's a self-imposed ceiling and yeah. we're paying interest to ourselves. Oh, we're paying interest to whoever owns the bonds. And so China owns about a trillion dollars worth of our bonds. So we're paying interest to China. Of course, they loaned us a trillion dollars too. You know, um, we're paying interest to the uh, bondholders and about a third of them ourselves, okay. you know, are citizens and banks and, and local ones. You know, it's um, there's a very par big part of the debt that is owed to the government itself, too. People don't realize that Social Security Administration, there's there's trust funds in there. And so. If we were really serious about reducing our debt, you could start there. Right. You know, just for the piece that you owe yourself, forgive that. Right. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, mean, I know we talked about it briefly in another episode when mm -hmm. we were talking about the Financial Freedom Act and how it would tackle the national debt. And when we broke that down, you mentioned that a large part of it, like a third would just be that interest part. Yeah, you just... Well, it's the part that we owe ourselves and that can be wiped off. So like right now, the Social Administ Security Administration uses that money in the trust fund to help pay for Social Security benefits. So if you were to say to them, hey, just forgive that, will you? Then suddenly people on Social Security, they wouldn't get paid their benefits. Oh, I see. And because Social Security ran in the surplus for a long time, and so that extra money, they would buy treasury bonds. And so now they're slowly using up those treasury bonds. But that's not the only trust fund that exists out there. It's just astounding how much money the government owes itself. 
So if you made Social Security solvent, you could afford to forgive that debt. And so under a payment tax where you do have this balanced budget and you are able to pay what you need to pay, you could afford to give that debt up. And that's less interest payments, and that would reduce the debt. But then um, people get those benefits or they would get them in a different no, way. No, if you if a social security was solvent, if you had sufficient revenue coming in from a payment tax, oh, you no longer need to be using that. Exactly. So, so I know that recently, and this is maybe just the plight of being a millennial, but we have to survive through all these once in a lifetime events. And one of the big ones that was a couple of years ago, there was some like concern over social security running out before we can even access mm -hmm. it, but we pay into it with all of our taxes. Mm -hmm. What would cause that? Like, is that still at risk? People don't want to talk oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. That, that's <laughs> still a ticking time bomb. Absolutely. It's a ticking time bomb. There are multiple ways to do a pension. So like with a state at a state level, a state employee, part of their money is going into their pension plan. And then the state government as the employers also contributing some money. So like in a, in a company, if you're working for a large company as a pension plan, you may put part of your wages in and they may match part of those wages and put it in. Those pension plans, that money's actually going into a fund. It, that cash is actually there and that's invested. So they're investing your retirement money for it to grow. So that by the time you're retiring, there's more money than what you put in. That's how state pension plans and private pension plans work. That's not how Social Security works. Okay. When Social Security started, they did the math and they showed, you know, when it started, they wanted to start paying benefits right away to people who were hitting Social Security age. Right. Well, those people hadn't been contributing to Social Security. There was no cash built up. So what happens is you look at how much money people are making. And if you charge, in, our, in this case, it's 14% of those wages for Social Security, that's enough to pay the people who retired. It's not being saved for you. There is none of your money that you pay into Social Security is sitting there growing for your benefit. That money is paying the people who already retired. Oh, wow. I think I always kind of assumed it was like, no, it's not being saved for okay or something like that's like, this is right. my personal social security account. It's going into. No, that's not the way it works. It's, it's going to pay off um, retirees. Now, up until fairly recently, the amount of money you were paying off, paying into social security between your employer and you. So if you're employed as a W2 employee, Around 7% of that's your contribution and 7% is the employer. If you're self-employed, you pay all 14% yourself. Okay? So the bill for Social Security is 14% of your wages. Up until fairly recently, the 14% was more than was necessary to pay the retired people's benefits. And so there was a surplus being built up. But they knew that demographically, and now we've hit that point, that the amount going in is less than they need. So that surplus is part of the benefits. They're just draining that surplus. So there is a pot of money and it, it's being drained to pay the benefits of the retired people. There comes a point in time, not too far into the future, when all that money is drained out and the amount that you're paying, that 14%, is not enough to pay the benefits. 
the retired people. So that's a, a lot of people say, oh, Social Security is bankrupt. If it were a true pension plan, it would be an underwater pension plan, not really bankrupt, you know. But what they're saying is it's not sustainable long term. That 14% is not enough for when you get to retirement age for you to be able to receive the benefits that are by law due you. So is it by law due to me or is it just like a plus? Because like what's going to happen when I live through another once in a lifetime thing and they're just like, hey, this wasn't actually a law. You don't get social security now. Yeah, they could change the law. Laws can be changed, you know. And I mean, there have been pension plans that went bust and people were do it, but it wouldn't pay them because if the money's not there, it's not there. Right. You know, we can make whatever laws we want. But the reality is, reality is always, reality supersedes law. <laughs> I think we're so, coming up on one of those moments that, like you said, like. Oh, yeah, we're coming up on that. You, either people are going to have to increase beyond 14%. To be able to pay because it's, it's the ratio of workers to retirees ratio of workers to retirees used to be above 15 to 1 and now it's around 3 to 1 and it could get as low as 2 to 1 in a couple of decades it'll pick back up a little but it's it depends on you know how many babies are born and all that the ratio and so the steady state of it is there any steady state if people always had the same amount of babies and we're never going to change that you could calculate a number right of what workers picked a certain age of retirement and how long people lived based on all that you can mathematically determine how much needs to be taken out of workers wages in order to pay retirees but and, even that is changing right because now yeah, like absolutely changing. living longer people there are, are living longer birth rates are lower but ever now we have mm -hmm. some new laws that might be changing that as well, right? Like there's- Yeah, like you can change the retirement age. If you push it up to 70 or 75, then suddenly that ratio changes and you don't have to tax as much. But now you've got all these people who are just a few years from retirement age and you're telling them, oh, it's another five years, you know? And so they lobby against it. That's happening in France. They had to change the retirement age. Oh, right. And, and there's a lot of- there's a lot of merit to the discussion of changing retirement ages because as people live longer, it's just all, all math ratios. You you you've got to adjust the ratio somewhere. Other, either younger people pay more, or older people wait a little longer. You know, um, I, you know, maybe something in the middle. Obviously, the obvious answer here is the Financial Freedom Act, but. The yeah. obvious answer is the payments tax and that you collect so much money that you can still pay all those people and have a multi-trillion dollar surplus. So that's that's why I always push these because the math cries out for it. Right. You know, unfortunately, politicians speak ideology. You know, they speak emotions. They speak, oh, what's right? What's wrong? You know. Do people have a moral right to free health care? Well, back when you're barely scraping along, if you were cavemen, no one had a moral right. to help. They didn't have health care, you know. And so, but if there's enough wealth and the economy is abundant enough um, that you could have free health care, well, then why not give it? It's not that it's a moral right or not. It's like, how do you make your standard collective standard of living as high as possible? 
That's what it really comes down to. So politics speaks ideology. You know, our debt is immoral. Our deficit is immoral. It's like the moral. I mean, I I don't think morals enter into it at all. We get messed up when we try to inject that talk because morals can conflict with reality. Right. So you got to just look at reality and say, how do you optimize everyone's standard of living? with the reality that exists out there and drop the moral talk. So we government shutdown really is completely tied to what's the limit of the debt. And the limit of the debt is completely tied to how much do we need to continue to borrow to be able to sustain the deficit spending we have today. And all of that goes away if you put a payment and you get rid of all the income tax. And that's the miracle of it all. You know, quarter percent tax is so tiny. Right. (laughs) Now I've talked about it so much. I think about it every time that I make like any payment or anything like that. I'm like, this would only be costing this much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I talk to groups, I say, just start looking at your receipt. (laughs) You know, look how much you paid when you went to the store. Right. And see what it would be if you paid a quarter of 1% instead and you'd save money right there. Look at your payroll stubs, you know, <laughs> whether your FICA tax and your payroll, you know, income taxes, how much more money would you have? Just right. take a quarter of a percent off of that instead of whatever it is you're paying. It's an, it'd be an incredible difference for people. Yeah. Wow. Hopefully <laughs> this gets a little bit more traction before before we yeah. run out. But like you said, it's the not too distant future. We need to, we need to get yeah, this. These crises are coming upon us fast. So yeah. So that's that's the um that's the government shutdown. Really is is just kind of an artificially created crisis that Congress likes to create. Um and it allows them to wrangle with each other. Um, and the only people who lose in that are the American citizens. No big deal. <laughs> Nothing unusual there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott. This is great. You're welcome. Thanks, Laura. We'll see you all later. Look for you. Uh, send in your questions. We look forward to seeing you on a future podcast. So that's it for today's episode of Fiscal Fitness and Freedom. Head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value. Grand prize drawing for a private VIP mentoring session with Scott Smith himself. Be sure to head on over to fiscalfitnessandfreedom.com and pick up a copy of Scott's blueprint to discovering your own unique formula to personal success. And join us on the next episode.